Chapters 41 through 45 of Theologia Germanica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter. Theologia Germanica by an anonymous author. Translated by Susanna Winkworth. Chapters 41 through 45. Chapter 41. Now that he is to be called, and is truly, a partaker of the divine nature, who is illuminated with the divine light, and inflamed with eternal love, and how light and knowledge are worth nothing without love. Some may ask, what is it to be a partaker of the divine nature, or a God-like man? Answer. He who is imbued with, or illuminated by, the eternal or divine light, and inflamed or consumed with eternal or divine love, he is a godlike man and a partaker of the divine nature, and of the nature of this true light we have said somewhat already. But ye must know that this light or knowledge is worth nothing without love. This ye may see if you call to mind that, though a man may know very well what is virtue or wickedness, yet if he doth not love virtue, he is not virtuous, for he obeyeth vice. But if he loveth virtue, he followeth after it, and his love maketh him an enemy to wickedness, so that he will not do or practice it, and hateth it also in other men. And he loveth virtue, so that he would not leave a virtue unpracticed, even if he might, and this for no reward, but simply for the love of virtue. And to him virtue is its own reward, and he is content therewith, and would take no treasure or riches in exchange for it. Such a one is already a virtuous man, or he is in the way to be so. And he who is a truly virtuous man would not cease to be so, to gain the whole world, yea, he would rather die a miserable death. It is the same with justice. Many a man knoweth full well what is just or unjust, and yet neither is nor ever will become a just man. For he loveth not justice, and therefore he worketh wickedness and injustice. If he loved justice, he would not do an unjust thing, for he would feel such hatred and indignation towards injustice wherever he saw it, that he would do or suffer anything that injustice might be put an end to, and men might become just. And he would rather die than do an injustice, and all this for nothing but the love of justice. And to him justice is her own reward, and rewardeth him with herself. And so there liveth a just man, and he would rather die a thousand times over than live as an unjust man. It is the same with truth. A man may know full well what is true or a lie, but if he loveth not the truth, he is not a true man. But if he loveth, it is with truth even as with justice. Of justice speaketh Isaiah in the fifth chapter, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Thus may we perceive that knowledge and light profit nothing without love. We see this in the evil spirit. He perceiveth and knoweth good and evil, right and wrong, and the like. But since he hath no love for the good that he seeth, he becometh not good, as he would if he had any love for the truth and other virtues which he seeth. It is indeed true that love must be guided and taught by knowledge, but if knowledge be not followed by love, it will avail nothing. 
It is the same with God and divine things. Let a man know much about God and divine things, nay, dream that he seeth and understandeth what God himself is. If he have not love, he will never become like unto God or a partaker of the divine nature. But if there be true love along with his knowledge, he cannot but cleave to God and forsake all that is not God or of him, and hate it and fight against it and find it a cross and a sorrow. And this love so maketh a man one with God that he can never more be separated from him. Chapter 42 A Question Whether we can know God and not love him, and how there are two kinds of light and love, a true and a false. Here is an honest question. Namely, it hath been said that he who knoweth God and loveth him not will never be saved by his knowledge, the which sounds as if we might know God and not love him. Yet we have said elsewhere that where God is known, he is also loved, and whosoever knoweth God must love him. How may these things agree? Here ye must mark one thing. We have spoken of two lights, a true and a false. So also there are two kinds of love, a true and a false. And each kind of love is taught or guided by its own kind of light or reason. Now the true light maketh true love, and the false light maketh false love. For whatever light deemeth to be best, she delivereth unto love as the best, and biddeth her love it, and love obeyeth and fulfilleth her commands. Now as we have said, the false light is natural, and is nature herself. Therefore every property belongeth unto it which belongeth unto nature, such as the me, the mine, the self, and the like. And therefore it must needs be deceived in itself and be false. For no I, me, or mine ever came to the true light or knowledge undeceived, save once only, to wit, in God made man. And if we are to come to the knowledge of the simple truth, all these must depart and perish. And in particular, it belongeth to the natural light that it would fain know or learn much if it were possible, and hath great pleasure, delight, and glorying in its discernment and knowledge. And therefore it is always longing to know more and more, and never cometh to rest and satisfaction. And the more it learneth and knoweth, the more doth it delight and glory therein. And when it hath come so high that it thinketh to know all things, and to be above all things, it standeth on its highest pinnacle of delight and glory, and then it holdeth knowledge to be the best and noblest of all things. And therefore it teacheth love to love knowledge and discernment as the best and most excellent of all things. Behold, then knowledge and discernment come to be more loved than that which is discerned, for the false natural light loveth its knowledge and powers, which are itself more than that which is known. And were it possible that this false natural light should understand the simple truth as it is in God and in truth, it still would not lose its own property, that is, it would not depart from itself and its own things. Behold, in this sense there is knowledge without the love of that which is or may be known. Also this light riseth and climbeth so high that it vainly thinketh that it knoweth God and the pure simple truth, and thus it loveth itself in him. And it is true that God can be known only by God. Wherefore, as this light vainly thinketh to understand God, it imagineth itself to be God, and giveth itself out to be God, and wisheth to be accounted so, and thinketh itself to be above all things, 
and well worthy of all things, and that it hath a right to all things, and hath got beyond all things, such as commandments, laws, and virtue, and even beyond Christ and a Christian life, and setteth all these as naught, for it doth not set up to be Christ, but the eternal God. And this is because Christ's life is distasteful and burdensome to nature. Therefore she will have nothing to do with it, but to be God in eternity and not man, or to be Christ as he was after his resurrection, is all easy and pleasant and comfortable to nature, and so she holdeth it to be best. Behold, with this false and deluded love, something may be known without being loved, for the seeing and knowing is more loved than that which is known. Further, there is a kind of learning which is called knowledge, to wit, when through hearsay or reading or great acquaintance with Scripture, some fancy themselves to know much and call it knowledge and say, I know this or that. And if you ask, How dost thou know it? They answer, I have read it in the Scriptures, and the like. Behold, this they call understanding and knowing, yet this is not knowledge, but belief. And many things are known and loved and seen only with this sort of perceiving and knowing. There is also yet another kind of love, which is especially false, to wit, when something is loved for the sake of a reward, as when justice is loved not for the sake of justice, but to obtain something thereby, and so on. And where a creature loveth other creatures for the sake of something that they have, or loveth God for the sake of something of her own, it is all false love. And this love belongeth properly to nature, for nature, as nature, can feel and know no other love than this. For if ye look narrowly into it, nature, as nature, loveth nothing beside herself. On this wise something may be seen to be good and not loved. But true love is taught and guided by the true light and reason, and this true eternal and divine light teacheth love to love nothing but the one true and perfect good, and that simply for its own sake, and not for the sake of a reward or in the hope of obtaining anything, but simply for the love of goodness, because it is good and hath a right to be loved. And all that is thus seen by the help of the true light must also be loved of the true love. Now that perfect good, which we call God, cannot be perceived but by the true light. Therefore he must be loved wherever he is seen or made known. Chapter 43 Whereby we may know a man who is made a partaker of the divine nature and what belongeth unto him, and further what is the token of a false light and a false free thinker. Further mark ye, that when the true love and true light are in a man, the perfect good is known and loved for itself and as itself, and yet not so that it loveth itself of itself and as itself, but the one true and perfect good can and will love nothing else in so far as it is in itself, save the one true goodness. Now if this is itself, it must love itself, yet not as itself nor as of itself, but in this wise, that the one true good loveth the one perfect goodness, and the one perfect goodness is loved of the one true and perfect good. And in this sense, that saying is true, God loveth not himself as himself. For if there were aught better than God, God would love that and not himself. For in this true light and true love, there neither is nor can remain any I, me, mine, thou, thine, and the like, but that light perceiveth and knoweth that there is a good which is all good and above all good, 
and that all good things are of one substance in the one good, and that without that one there is no good thing. And therefore, where this light is, the man's end and aim is not this or that, me or thee or the like, but only the one who is neither I nor thou, this nor that, but is above all I and thou, this and that, and in him all goodness is loved as one good, according to that saying, all in one as one, and one in all as all, and one and all good, is loved through the one in one, and for the sake of the one, for the love that man hath to the one. Behold, in such a man must all thought of self, all self-seeking, self-will, and what cometh thereof, be utterly lost and surrendered and given over to God, except in so far as they are necessary to make up a person. And whatever cometh to pass in a man who is truly godlike, whether he do or suffer, all is done in this light and this love, and from the same, through the same, unto the same again. And in this heart there is a content and a quietness, so that he does not desire to know more or less, to have, to live, to die, to be, or not to be, or anything of the kind. These become all one and alike to him, and he complaineth of nothing but of sin only. And what sin is, we have said already, namely to desire or will anything otherwise than the one perfect good and the one eternal will, and apart from and contrary to them, or to wish to have a will of one's own. And what is done of sin, such as lies, fraud, injustice, treachery, and all iniquity, in short, all that we call sin, cometh hence that man hath another will than God and the true good. For were there no will but the one will, no sin could ever be committed. Therefore we may well say that all self-will is sin, and there is no sin but that springeth therefrom, and this is the only thing which a truly godlike man complaineth of. But to him this is such a sore pain and grief that he would die a hundred deaths in agony and shame rather than endure it. And this, his grief, must last until death, and where it is not, there be sure that the man is not truly godlike or a partaker of the divine nature. Now seeing that in this light and love all good is loved in one and as one and the one in all things and in all things as one and as all, therefore all those things must be loved that rightly are of a good report such as virtue, order, seemliness, justice, truth, and the like, and all that belongeth to God is the true good, and is his own, is loved and praised, and all that is without this good, and contrary to it, is sorrow and a pain, and is hated as sin, for it is of a true sin. And he who liveth in the true light and true love hath the best, noblest, and worthiest life that ever was or will be, and therefore it cannot but be loved and praised above any other life. This life was and is in Christ to perfection, else he were not the Christ. And the love wherewith the man loveth this noble life and all goodness, maketh that all which he is called upon to do or suffer or pass through, and which must needs be, he doth or endureth willingly and worthily, however hard it may be to nature. Therefore saith Christ, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This cometh of love, which loveth this admirable life, 
This we may see in the beloved apostles and martyrs. They suffered willingly and gladly all that was done unto them, and never asked of God that their suffering and tortures might be made shorter or lighter or fewer, but only that they might remain steadfast and endure to the end. Of a truth, all that is the fruit of divine love in a truly godlike man is so simple, plain, and straightforward that he can never properly give an account of it by writing or by speech, but only say that so it is, and he who hath it not doth not even believe in it. How can he come to know it? On the other hand, the life of the natural man, where he hath a lively, subtle, cunning nature, is so manifold and complex, and seeketh and inventeth so many turnings and windings and falsehoods for its own ends, and that so continually, that this also is neither to be uttered nor set forth. Now since all falsehood is deceived, and all deception beginneth in self-deception, so it is also with this false light and life, for he who deceiveth is also deceived, as we have said before, and in this false light and life is found everything that belongeth to the evil spirit and is his, insomuch that they cannot be discerned apart, for the false light is the evil spirit, and the evil spirit is the false light. Hereby we may know this, for even as the evil spirit thinketh himself to be God, or would fain be God, or be thought to be God, and in all this so utterly deceived that he doth not think himself to be deceived, so it is also with the false light and the love and life that is thereof. And as the devil would fain deceive all men, and draw them to himself and his works, and make them like himself, and useth much art and cunning to this end, so is it also with this false light. And as no one may turn the evil spirit from his own way, so no one can turn this deceived and deceitful light from its errors. And the cause thereof is that both these two, the devil and nature, vainly think that they are not deceived and that it standeth quite well with them. And this is the very worst and most mischievous delusion. Thus the devil and nature are one, and where nature is conquered, the devil is also conquered. And in like manner, where nature is not conquered, the devil is not conquered. Whether as touching the outward life in the world or the inward life of the spirit, this false light continueth in its state of blindness and falsehood, so that it is both deceived itself and deceiveth others with it wheresoever it may. From what hath here been said, ye may understand and perceive more than hath been expressly set forth. For whenever we speak of the Adam and disobedience and of the old man, of self-seeking, self-will, and self-serving, of the I, the me, and the mine, nature, falsehood, the devil, sin. It is all one and the same thing. These are all contrary to God and remain without God. Chapter 44 How nothing is contrary to God but self-will, and how he who seeketh his own good for his own sake findeth it not, and how a man of himself neither knoweth nor can do any good thing. Now it may be asked, Is there aught which is contrary to God and the true good? I say no. Likewise there is nothing without God except to will otherwise than is willed by the eternal will, that is, contrary to the eternal will. Now the eternal will 
willeth that nothing be willed or loved but the eternal goodness. And where it is otherwise, there is something contrary to him, and in this sense it is true that he who is without God is contrary to God. But in truth, there is no being contrary to God or the true good. We must understand it as though God said, He who willeth without me, or willeth not what I will, or otherwise than as I will, he willeth contrary to me. For my will is that no one should will otherwise than I, and that there should be no will without me, and without my will. Even as without me there is neither substance nor life, nor this nor that, so also there should be no will apart from me, and without my will. And even as in truth all beings are one in substance in the perfect being, and all good is one in the one being, and so forth, and cannot exist without that one, so shall all wills be one in the one perfect will, and there shall be no will apart from that one. And whatever is otherwise is wrong and contrary to God and his will, and therefore it is sin. Therefore all will apart from God's will, that is, all self-will, is sin, and so is all that is done from self-will. So long as a man seeketh his own will and his own highest good because it is his and for his own sake, he will never find it. For so long as he doeth this, he is not seeking his own highest good, and how then should he find it? For so long as he doeth this, he seeketh himself and dreameth that he is himself the highest good. And seeing that he is not the highest good, he seeketh not the highest good so long as he seeketh himself. But whosoever seeketh, loveth, and pursueth goodness as goodness, and for the sake of goodness, and maketh that his end, for nothing but the love of goodness, not for love of the I, me, mine, self, and the like, he will find the highest good, for he seeketh it aright, and they who seek it otherwise do err. And truly it is on this wise that the true and perfect goodness seeketh and loveth and pursueth itself, and therefore it findeth itself. It is a great folly when a man or any creature dreameth that he knoweth or can accomplish aught of himself, and above all when he dreameth that he knoweth or can fulfill any good thing, whereby he may deserve much at God's hands and prevail with him. If he understood rightly, he would see that this is to put a great affront upon God. But the true and perfect goodness hath compassion on the foolish simple man who knoweth no better, and ordereth things for the best for him, and giveth him as much of the good things of God as he is able to receive. But as we have said afore, he findeth and receiveth not the true good, so long as he remaineth unchanged, for unless self and me depart, he will never find or receive it. Chapter 45 how that where there is a Christian life, Christ dwelleth, and how Christ's life is the best and most admirable life that ever hath been or can be. He who knoweth and understandeth Christ's life, knoweth and understandeth Christ himself, and in like manner he who understandeth not his life doth not understand Christ himself. And he who believeth on Christ believeth that his life is the best and noblest life that can be. And if a man believeth not this, neither doth he believe on Christ himself. And in so far as a man's life is according to Christ, Christ himself dwelleth in him, and if he hath not the one, neither hath he the other. 
For where there is the life of Christ, there is Christ himself, and where his life is not, Christ is not. And where a man hath his life, he may say with St. Paul, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this is the noblest and best life, for in him who hath it, God himself dwelleth with all goodness. So how could there be a better life? When we speak of obedience, of the new man, of the true light, the true love, or the life of Christ, it is all the same thing. And where one of these is, there are they all. And where one is wanting, there is none of them, for they are all one in truth and substance. And whatever may bring about that new birth which maketh alive in Christ, to that let us cleave with all our might and to naught else, and let us forswear and flee all that may hinder it. And he who hath received this life in the holy sacrament hath verily and indeed received Christ, and the more of that life he hath received, the more he hath received of Christ, and the less, the less of Christ. End of chapters 41 through 45. Recording by J.A. Carter. www.afewparagraphs.com.